Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tanya Hathaway, with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network in Stevenburg City, 9.9 KLRB-FM Lighthouse Christian Radio, if you're there in Oklahoma and surrounding areas. It is Sunday, August 22nd, 2021. Wow, so we've got a hurricane that's coming into New England. Uh, it's supposed to be a real zinger-dinger. Um, it's supposed to uh, be the hurricane of uh, that we haven't had in the last 30 years. I actually remember the one 30 years ago. Not only uh, do I remember it uh, because it was impactful, but I was an adult. So am I actually dating myself? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be quiet right there. Um, I want to say hi to my mother in New Hampshire, who is an amazing support and advocate of her own. Uh, You know, an advocate that is very understanding of um, uh, those that can be wrongfully convicted, over-sentenced, or those that need rehab or mental health help and and things like that mom is 90 years old and mom has a pretty good idea what's good for for um for people mom has a pretty good idea uh you know after raising a slew of kids um that uh what life is all about even you know growing up on a farm growing up on a farm great uh great history there um, I would like to let you guys know that um, we've got Emily Barnes who's going to come on in just a few minutes, all right, and she is going to talk about another rally uh, that she and her group, along with an, another, um, and, and Emily can fill in the, those blanks, uh, is putting on, and her group is called Ignite Justice. It is a nonprofit, and I love how she is managing the group, and there are no glory hogs there no glory hogs whatsoever and marty you and i talk about glory hogs don't we and and we also you know i know that you have this segment where you're (laughs) it's kind of funny what's that sound do you have that with you yes it's the yes yes i do um hang on here (laughs) (laughs) that announces our glory hog segment yes (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's it's quite popular. We have glory hogs on tonight, but it's kind of funny to talk about that. And uh, but yeah. but it's it's just an unselfish um, method of advocacy, and um, and you know people do really overall have uh, you know the, the best at heart. Um, but uh, but then like politicians. Uh, wind up getting carried away, and instead of making it about the cause, they make it about themselves. Isn't that so, Marty? That's exactly it. They want to be a celebrity, and they're using the cause or the issue 
as the vehicle to achieve that celebrity, and a lot of people get hurt in the process. And they're always the people, Tanya, they're screaming, we need to unify, we need to work together. But the silent, yeah. unsaid thing is, as long as you're all subservient to me. And yes. that's where everything falls apart on the unification. They don't want to be subservient to these people, and then everything blows up. And uh, But that's that's the hidden statement that isn't isn't said. We we exactly. run into them constantly, oh. constantly. Yeah, yep. And then they take on a. a sometimes they'll add in a cause that is like. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like when you see a bill that is being developed, you know, and and it starts out mm-hmm. great, you know, okay, this is it. But suddenly, by the time it's said and done, uh, if you're not attention to what that bill winds up being. Uh, they've snuck in all kinds of things, kind of, kind of like the, uh, uh, um, the 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 multi-billion-dollar infrastructure deals. Yeah. Oh, isn't that a mess? But we we see this all yeah. the time, and I always tell people you want to watch because if something comes out uh, as a bill, and it's titled, you know, like you know, we're going to fix, you know, paper towel holders, a bill to do that, and then the others will be titled an act. And an act is something the government is going to do by force. And you need to keep mm-hmm. that in mind. But when you submit a bill, we've had advocates write some very, very good bills. And mm-hmm. they got submitted. But once they're tabled, until they come up for a vote, they can be amended a thousand times. And so that what gets oh. passed bears little to no resemblance to the bill you submitted. And they can't figure out what happened, but that's what it is. It, there isn't a bill that comes to the floor for a vote that hasn't been tampered with far and wide. Uh, and it says virtually nothing. You know. Yeah, and then there are some, you know, politicians that will, you know, try to win again and often do based on a bill that they might have had something to do with. It sounds good on the surface, but it, yeah. but it really isn't. And so this is where we need to be self-educated. We need to know uh, and follow and and do our our own research by by all means uh, well, when it comes to that. Well, what I tell people constantly it, it it seems to be a chronic problem. People will read the bill title, but they don't read the text, and they think they know what the bill says because somebody else told them the bill says this or the bill said. But they don't read the text. And we just had one come out with the guardianship thing behind the Britney Spears. And, of course, they're riding her coattails. Uh, of course, yeah. We have begged the federal government for more than 10 years that I know of hard to stop this system of human trafficking. And uh-huh. so Chris, Senator Chris, came out with a bill after working with these glory hog advocates, came out with a bill that says absolutely nothing. Bear in mind for anything to have effect. To change a law, whatever is happening must be cited as a crime. And then right. you have to have enforcement. How is what, what's it going to be comprised of? And lastly, you need to signify who is going to perform the enforcement. And this bill that came out was absolutely nothing. It's one of the biggest pieces of fluff and buff I've seen in the last five years. Absolutely no benefit to guardianship, conservatorship victims um absolutely does nothing and yet you know the glory I saw hogs, the we talk about, oh, yeah did you the see bill the update is with Brittany? 
it's, it's yeah. like, but so, but so what? In a sense, it's like, so what? You know, she's not helping herself by that. But I, to me, I look at that as a setup for anybody who's been following the Britney Spears case. You know, her father yeah. has been uh, the guardian uh, of over millions and millions and millions of dollars, and and other people in the family are are. Um, uh, are you know wealthy off of hers, and she gets a very small, yes. actually, actually a very small salary. And there was actually a judge that um, that has been um, complacent, and who knows how much a part of this he is and what his cut actually is. Um, but but you know, so she has been under guardianship for many years, you know, because of her quote unquote mental health. Okay, well, so what? Yeah, how to break down. So so what? Yeah. She has proven herself time and time again. She's well enough to go out and continue making millions of dollars when she said yes. to, to, to continue funding these people when she said she does not want to, but she has to. She is forced to. So so what? Yes. You know, and then and then they claim that yeah. uh, she was abusive to somebody uh, with her dog. And yeah. I, I mean, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. She just was trying yeah. to get her dog back because they probably set her up saying she was abusing her dog. And they'll do that. Yeah. People will do so much for millions and millions and millions of dollars. So all of a sudden we see, you know, Britney Spears posing, you know, with her shorts on and it's high red, red uh, boots and uh, holding, you know, holding her, her breasts where she is actually naked on top. Is it appropriate, especially concerning everything she is going through? No, no, it's not. But that does not mean she is not capable because it's not illegal. It doesn't mean she's out no. of her mind. Look, there are porn stars out there that handle their own money, right? There's plenty of yeah. people that are very incapable or, uh, you but, know, of handling their money that are handling money. There's plenty of guardians out there that you, are plenty incapable. Go ahead. But what you have to understand, this is about the money. This is not about her. She's just simply the one they're leveraging right. to make money. Her father, right. um, Sam, Sam, Samuel Ingham, that attorney she had who hired another law firm to help him litigate what I don't know. But she was having to pay them. She was having to pay a caregiver. She was having to pay a therapist. She was having to pay a medical staff. She was having to pay all these people every year out of her income. There was about $3 million being siphoned off it for all these people. Her father has made out like a bandit and controlled and every uh, breath that girl took. siblings that have too, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, but see, and then that judge... In, in these cases, every time a motion is brought in front of that court, that judge gets a percentage of the value of her estate. This is true across the country. So mm-hmm. if you're on the East Coast, the percentage is 2 to 3% of the value of the estate. Every time a motion is brought, as you get to the West Coast, it jumps up to 5 to 6%. But they get this, and these are not actual judges. They are hearing examiners or ministerial clerks. They are not actual judges because they don't deal with law. They deal with statute and code. And so they don't have to know anything about the law. That is a conflict. There should never be somebody that is sitting to make decisions that that has something to benefit 
financially. Right. Never, ever, well, ever. Well, Marty and I are going to do a show, not this Tuesday night, but the following Tuesday night, and we're going to talk a little bit about guardianships. And Marty has a, a show that and, and has a permanent panel at the annual whistleblower summit in Washington, D.C., um, all about this stuff. And, Marty, what, what evenings, what, when is that, what night is it? And go ahead, go ahead if you don't mind. Yeah. I know you don't like to blow your own yeah. horn, but I'm going to beg you to right now, and then yeah. we'll get on to Emily but, and then the rest of the show about Georgia yeah. State. Okay, yeah, we are on Friday nights. We um, have the guardianship shows, and and Coscave co-hosts those with me. And um, like last night, we just had Liz Rizzo, a lifetime companion of Rusty Warren, that comedian from the 60s. You might remember her. She did the – it was cutting edge at the time, risque at the time, but she did a routine called Knockers Up. And but it was uh-huh. when women were really under fire about you know hydra. I swear, and especially these evangelicals, if they could get away with bagging their women, they'd do it. Um, mm-hmm. But back at this time, you know, you you were supposed to be prim and proper. Men could be whatever they wanted, which is still true. And it's still but true. Women it still seems to be true. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And um, can you imagine what kind of of holocaust in this country it would be if women preyed on children like men do but they don't now there are yeah, cases and, and, yes and, and, but i'm just and, saying and as a comparison not across the board right 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 yeah exactly, exactly. It's, it's, and well it's anyway rusty rusty got caught up in one of these guardianships and she had over 30 million in um, memorabilia that went to Liz. Liz gave it to the Library of Congress, several museums around the country. And, of course, the predators are fighting tooth and nail to try to get those things back. She was forced to sell their home in Hawaii. Um, it, it was just a terrible, terrible thing. And in the last two years of her life, <coughs> excuse me, she wasn't allowed to see her. They did trauma-based bonding where they terrified and terrorized this woman. And she died alone. Trauma-based bombing. Think about that. Yes. Trauma-based bombing. Sounds like like there's a trauma that is created, and then the bonding. So it's kind of like what is that? What is that? illness that uh, a mother does, or with a child, where that's that's uh, Munchausen's. Right, and so this is the same thing. Except well, it's, it's, purpose- it's the Stockholm. It's the Stockholm syndrome. People who yeah. are kidnapped many times start identifying with their captors, and it's the same process. They are terrorized. They are traumatized, and then these guardians keep telling these people, "Well, you don't." They don't tell them that they've isolated them. Well, you don't see anybody else here, do you? Nobody cares about you but me. You better do what right. I tell you, or I'll leave too, and then you won't have anybody. And they do this to them constantly. They take away their phones. Their glasses, their hearing aids, their dentures, they everything to dehumanize their lives, them. But they don't take it away. They're yes. listening to everything. Yep. Yes. Yep. They control yep. their lives. They control them in every way. Yep. TPJG.me, TPJG.me is also Mario Clay's webpage. Great articles uh, by some co- contributors there, That um, a vast array of um, information. Uh, just tpjg.me. I've missed you, Marty. I've missed Stephen. I've missed the show. I've had my yeah. surgery, and I'm on the yeah. up and up now. I'm half on a walker and half on a on a cane, and um, I took myself off of those darn 
opiates like four days yeah. in because they're just, woo. It was oxy, yeah. oxymorphone, I think. And, and they're like, no, yeah. you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. You're going to need it. You need to stay ahead of it. I understand their hearts are in the right place. But yeah. I stayed ahead of it with Tylenol yeah. and with, you know, controlling my mind because I'm tired of dribbling into my own uh, chest when I fall asleep. Yeah. And that kind of <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's so uh, Oh, well, hang, I hang refuse to take Marty because hopefully you can add right. uh, some more really constructive things to this show because it is crazy okay. what we're about get ready to get into with George uh, escapes and the Lucasville riot and the double conviction okay. death row victim. But I know that we've got Emily Barnes of Ignite Justice in Q. Emily, are you there? Yes, yes ma'am. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great to see you back. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I know you have been busy in the meantime, as usual, and I love the way you do things. You are not the glory hog we're talking about, or the glory hogs here. You've done you've done not a great job, and you're thank steady, you. and uh, and uh, I love what you're doing. So you want to tell um, our listeners. Uh, which I want to thank listeners for listening. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about your group, how to find you, and just what you've got uh, going on regarding the um, the rally upcoming. Okay. Um, our group is called Ignite Justice. We pretty much advocate for inmates. I hate that word, but, so I'm sorry. But um. Okay. You can find us on Facebook. Just look up Ignite Justice. We also have a regular web page set up, and most people just message me one-on-one. So we're easy to find. We're pretty much in all the Oklahoma groups, so something's posted about us. Right, right. But I, I also see you share general information across the country about things that are going on and cases and whatnot. So, I mean, I just see a a lot of variety. I know that you're more focused on Oklahoma, as I certainly have been these last years. Uh, But tonight, you know, and this series is all about somebody in Ohio, but we all face the same uh, kind of thing. This is a common ground with, you know, um, the treatment and, and, uh, you know, the – uh, reform and you know wrongful convictions and whatnot. But go ahead, tell more about your your group yes. and um, We're actually kind of, we're nationwide. We try to help in every state. If somebody comes to us, we're going to try to help them. Right. Um, my main focus is Oklahoma since I live here. Plus, I have you know my son and my boyfriend is locked up here, and my co-founder she is actually in Virginia, so her focus is Virginia. But like I said, we do have all states. Right. We also right. So you're probably looking for advocates that are willing to step up after you vet them, that can help provide assistance in each state. And we also we actually have a, a paralegal who is a part of us now. Her name is Michelle Hill, and she is in Idaho. So we are all over the place. <laughs> and a couple of our other board members are are in different states as well. So we're split out, but we all work together and come together for everything, you know. Yeah. Well, you each have your own strengths that you're that yeah. you're bringing forward, and 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 
and that's huge. That's that's what you need in your nonprofit. And you've, it's been a couple years now, right, or close to it, anyways. Um, yeah, but Ignite actually is originally it was a different name. Was has Ignite Justice? It's been about a year now. Okay. With just the Ignite Justice name. But um, I'm very excited about this rally. It's called Justice Denied Second Chance Rally. It's going to be on September 25th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Oklahoma State Capitol in Oklahoma City. We are touching a lot of areas in this rally. We're touching wrongful conviction, which Richard Gossip is a major, you know, headline, well-known story around the world. Everybody knows he's actually innocent. His family will be coming and speaking and telling his story. We also have a gentleman, Maxie Barber. He was wrongfully convicted. He has four life sentences. He what? He has, um, he has four life sentences. Okay. We also have... Wrongfully convicted? Yes, yes, he was. Yep. And, of course, um, all these cases pretty much are, they have DNA that was never tested, pretty much the same as with Julius Jones's case, mm-hmm. same DA, pretty and much. And that's next month Pratt. that's going up for the second phase. I, I, I know yes. that's Julius Jones. Mm-hmm. And then there's another guy named Delbert Johnson. He... um was sentenced to life with first-degree murder. He's wrongfully convicted, and his lawyer, I believe, is going to be coming and representing him at the rally. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're touching wrongful convictions. These rallies can really get some good attention because, um, I mean, I know when, you know, Tina Gertz and I put together that rally, And so his wife came and spoke. Deal Neal Holtzclaw's um, family was there, and that's another big deal. Deal Neal Holtzclaw's family was there, and uh, the biologist, uh, uh, the forensic biologist, or uh, I don't want to misquote her professional name, but she's the one who discovered uh, the DNA issues. That I mean, he should he should be free, but he's got a couple hundred years of of sentences. Uh, we also had Edwin Turlington on, who was framed um, from somewhere up north in the Grove area in, in Oklahoma. He won his case. Uh, we also had Vince Wilmis. Uh, he came and spoke. He won his case. Um, you know, so there are some good things that can come from the more public you make things, you know. Right. Um, that thing, good things can come out of this. So I'm sure you're going to contact all the, the stations and whatnot. I know we had uh, Tulsa uh, uh, Radio Fox station come and another other couple littler ones, but it definitely made the news. And and I yes, um, applaud you. Yes, um, I already contacted the news, and two of them had confirmed they will be there. But um, we're also going to be talking about excessive sentencing, which is another major issue in Oklahoma. 
You know, we have Keith Brown's case, who was who's a juvenile offender. Oh, I love that kid. I love that kid. Oh, my gosh. You hear him talk? Oh, my God. He's, he, yes. he's a perfect example. He's the poster child, isn't he, That is, for who deserves yeah, to come out yeah, so then there's another one, um, Nigel Martin. He's also another juvenile offender with a um, with a life sentence. He was sentenced at 16. And then we had this gentleman, Maurice Poole, that I'm working on too, and he was sentenced at 18 to felony murder. He's not even an actual shooter, and he got a life sentence. And then, of course, I will be talking about my son's case, how the juvenile system set him up and prepared him at 17. And then, of course, and I'm talking sure that about, will uh, be a heightened moment uh, for you of, of emotion. And I give you so much credit for the courage um, that you have in doing everything that, that you do. Most people don't get involved in this stuff unless something has happened. But, you know, you are putting your head in the lion's mouth, and you're not afraid. No. My son, I honestly, my son's case is a true example that the juvenile system does not work. Yep. That they don't care about the kids. They don't help them. They don't do nothing but prepare them for prison. And if we right. can get no things to change in the juvenile, we have to start at the bottom and work our way up. Yep. Yeah, we have to fix right. the problem in the juvenile system so they don't end up in the prison system. So I'm Knitting. overwhelmed to tell I, my son's story. I encourage you because I, I, you know, I've done some work with this, uh, these two people, and I've got to pick it back up again. I've, you know, I kind of stopped for a while, but I want to pick it back up again. But uh, I, I encourage you to uh, read the book, Correcting Treatment in Corrections. It is a success okay. story. It is a success story, and they're interested in legislator and whatnot. I just sent my brother, who's uh, a, a prosecutor for thirty over thirty-five years, about thirty-eight years now in in New Hampshire. A good one. He's one of the good guys. They're not all bad. You know, again, you know, when we talk corruption, when we talk about all this stuff, it's not blanket across the board. Okay, I just want to make sure our listeners that are new are hearing that. Um, but I sent that to my brother because I wanted his input. But the success story that they have, they're not a couple, but it was in Montana, and it was for women. This particular one was for women that have mostly served their, their sentences and are within a year of being released, uh, or several months anyways. And they go through this 12-week program that is intensive, and it is about rehab. It is all is making them feel like human beings that they really are instead of just being referred to as a dirty sack of you know what um, instead of being re-victimized uh, with strip searches you know most most of these women actually you know it was through theft through drugs um, something like that like not any like armed robbery violent crimes there was only a couple that were allowed into the program that were actually violent crimes and they came out of this program, and it was a psychiatrist or a psychologist and uh, a man who was in the service 
and he all and then working in corrections all 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 his life, you know. So he all he knew was bump 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 bump. So the interaction is very interesting. Arrived at a at a um at a successful program with people on you know polar opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to you know the healer and then the and then the uh, enforcer, you know. Uh, yeah. But what but what they did what they did is they turned around and this was a grant that that Montana was using that they gave to to these two they turned around uh, these women's uh, uh, recidivism rate from eighty five percent recidivism down to fifteen percent what do you think about mm. that. But guess what? That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. You want to know what's crazier? Guess what What? the state did? Nothing. Remember, we're prison for profit. Yep, sentence on the life. What they did was they discontinued the program. They discontinued the program because there there were nonprofits that weren't out to do the right thing that suddenly weren't getting the business. So suddenly you weren't able to use this for leveraging, for this, that, and the other thing, for politics. Um, And that is a crying shame. It was so successful that they discontinued it at the cost of of mothers, children, of, of being productive members of society. This uh, just blows my mind, and this is where we need to correct the system. Okay, so why don't you finish up? Tell us a little bit more, and then we're going to move on to George Skates. Um, I'm also will be talking about my boyfriend's case. How he got 30 years for robbery charges. Nobody was ever hurt, and 30 years is just too much to be for a few dollars. Uh, it's just uh, crazy. And, there's a lot of cases like that. But then we're also, I have, um, we will be talk, talking about the parole and pardon board. I mean, I'm sorry, pardon and parole board. They're, they're doing a much better job. We've got Daryl Wiggins is becoming a free man. And full disclosure here, he is not out yet. He's in a step-down program from, um, you know, from the prison. Now he's going to, you know, a much less. Uh, you know, a lower security one and then a lower security one, but he will be out within six months, possibly three, I'm, I'm, I'm told. But nice. this is a success story. This is a success story. But yes. there were so many back and forth between the governor and the pardon parole and his parole officer that uh, I have misinformed. So I have to correct that um, and let people know he's not free yet, but he's on his way out the door. And, that, and, and that's what we need, you know, people to listen. Exactly. Exactly, and there's so many issues and so many things that need to be changed with the pardon and parole board because people who deserve a second chance, they they did not. not. I mean, I watched watched the parole board meeting every month, and it just sickens me how they're just like, no, 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 that's it. (laughs) You know, like... Don't even look yeah, at how many classes they took, if they how many write ups if they haven't had no write ups, what kind of person they are right, the now. Jacket they isn't even open. The jacket isn't even opened. The and the the jacket right. for the listeners exactly. that don't know, that's the first step of of success going through the partner and parole board is do did the uh is did the um 
did the Pardon Parole Board even look into, you know, all the accomplishments uh, that have happened during this person's time in prison? But what a lot of people don't understand is in that first step, almost notoriously, even if they weren't the prosecutor on your case, they go, and it is the prosecutors that go to veto each and every single case that is front of the pardon and parole board, okay? That is their job. That's what they do. So when you advocate for somebody who is looking for that step one process, you ha- when you do that, it is not, oh, like Daryl is so this, he's done that, blah, 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 blah. It is, to, it is in objection to the prosecutor's objection. At least in Oklahoma, it's notorious, okay? So, uh, so it is an objection to the prosecutor's objection. I only found that out not that long ago because a lot of people are sending in things that's all about Daryl, da, da. So once they pass that first process, of, of getting, of beating the prosecutors that are actually objecting when they, many don't have any kind of firsthand knowledge of the case. Then that second pardon parole board hearing, that second one is about the, the success of, you know, of the, uh, the, the applicant, what they've done right. There's a job out there for them, you know, blah, 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 this and that and the other thing. So that that was huge. Understanding that, Emily, that was huge. It is, and even even support letters. Like I, I want to know, do they even read them? I have written many support letters. I even wrote one for Daryl. Not Darryl. for the first time. Not for the first time around. You know, and, like, and for Daryl, it was his seventh time in front of the pardon and parole board. Now no. we understand that over the last two years, that the combination of the members have definitely changed, and we got rid of one really bad guy in there. We won't get into that because we need to move on with the show. But, but he's just gone. Know I'm and and right now. What? Just know, just know I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face because he's gone. Oh, I know. I know because he, he had bias, and he made public statements saying that he will never say yes in the process to anybody that committed a violent crime. So that defeats his, the purpose. That defeats the purpose of the pardon and parole board to take a look at who this person is now compared to what they were then. Don't you, you know, think my, so? My, my issue is how are you going to have a judge or an XDA sitting on the parole board when they are the ones who sent half the people to the prison? Exactly. Oh, and this guy was corrupt as can be, and and then he was he was illegally um, uh, in that role because he was still taking he was taking a pension. You're not supposed to take a pension while you're working for the state, and he was doing that. He was double dipping, nuts, just nuts, just total nuts. Like that's one of my goals is to figure out how to get them off. But the only way to get them off is we have to get people, and this is another thing we're doing at the rally. We are going to have a registration area. I do have about 250 voting registration forms. We will have them there. We're going to help people sign up to register to vote. The only way we're going to mm-hmm. get changes is if people sign up and vote them out. Yep. So please, yep. come out, 
sign up. We are personally going to take them ourselves and drop them off and make sure they are hand, everyone is hand delivered. Mhm. Well, God, so God bless you for that. And then um, I'm Which is very different than harvesting the votes. <laughs> You're not harvesting. It's very different than what you know we've learned a lot about that's taking place. But no, I, I applaud you. And so one more time, the 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 date of the rally, well, the name on. of the rally, and how to find you. Can I just say one more per- talk about one more person? Yes, please. Her name um, her name is Michelle Murphy. She actually is the first woman in Oklahoma history to ever be exonerated. She um, was charged for a murder of her son at the age of 16, and 20 years later, DNA proved her innocent. So please, come out, listen oh to her God. story. You, I mean, it, her story is amazing, and how she's doing now, and how it affected her, and how she overcame it. She's, she just has a really great story to tell. Wow, and that, oh, and we also have, yes, and we also have Brenda Golden, who is a lawyer, and she's very involved with the Indian community, and she will be speaking about McGirt versus McGirt versus Oklahoma. So yeah, we we're touching we're touching a lot of areas with this rally. So please come out. Everybody fits into it one way or another. They, they really with their do. loved ones. And and you can find uh, Emily and her group on Facebook, Ignite Justice, and also uh, look it up on the web, right? Uh, IgniteJustice.com or .org or what is it? Uh, that, um, hold on, I think it's .com. Oh, I I hear you. I'm like I'm like that too. While you're looking that up, Oklahoma, by the way, has more women incarcerated per square capita than anybody in the world. There's a problem. There is a problem. Yes, it's ignitejustice.org. Ignitejustice.org. Emily, I want to thank you. Uh, Looking for those updates, how things go, and I'll be sure to promote this every show as we, uh, as we, uh, you know, get closer to your, to your, um, to your rally, and we'll get you back on again too. Okay. Thank you. I so appreciate it. Any anytime. Thank you for everything that you're doing. You know, we're sister warriors as far as I'm concerned. You know, we've all got the same we've got the same thing. So, uh thank you. Very much appreciate uh you coming on tonight and sharing that with us. Thank you. I'm gonna listen to the rest of your show. Appreciate that. Thank you. This is one heck of a case. This is one heck of a case. Uh okay, George Gates. George Gates. He is a man that is actually more than twice wrongfully convicted. In the promotion, if you saw uh, the promotion online, uh, you will see that this is our fourth show about George Skates. There are two matters in which he is wrongfully convicted. Uh, The first matter is what got him into prison to begin with, and that is... uh, about the murder of a man, a good man, by the name of Arthur Smith, who was a manager at, I believe it's called Rink's uh, store, 
and married. Uh, he had stepchildren. She and his wife uh, ha- was a stepmother to his and a greedy step. We're not going to get into a ton of this information tonight about George Gates and who done it with who killed Arthur Smith. But what I will say to you before we move on to the Lucasville riot, which he never would have been in Lucasville, which is a prison in Ohio, okay? But what I will say is the only evidence on who done it that appears to be evidence is actually the finger or the thumbprint of that stepdaughter on the weapon, the gun, that killed Arthur Smith. It was three years later after his wife, Marianne, I believe it is, considered significant suspect. Uh, without looking at that case right now, I can't tell you whether they were actually charged or not. Oh, forgive me. It wasn't the gun. It was the steering wheel of the car. Forgive me. I want to make sure that I'm giving you 100% proper information. So, uh, And I am getting that from his daughter right now. There's a ton to this story. So she is here to correct me and ask her to if I'm giving any uh, wrong information because I don't want that to ever, ever happen. The steering wheel of the car, that's where the fingerprints were found, okay? And there's a lot more to it as far as where she was seen and blah, blah, blah. But it is because of this wrongful conviction and ultimately, out of the blue, out of nowhere, suddenly, George Skate was charged with the murder of Arthur Smith throughout his lifetime. He had only been in that town two or three times. He was not anywhere near that town. I believe there are witnesses that can prove that. There's nothing, 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 nothing. There's no DNA. There's nothing. There's no thumbprints on a steering wheel. There's no footprints in the grass. There's no cloth. There's no blood, there's no, none, nothing anyways that implicates him. Nothing on his clothing, because Arthur Smith was, was murdered with a, with a gun. So no, no, and, 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 you know, obviously after three years, they're not going to find any gunpowder residue. Okay, I'll, I'll admit that. There is nothing that leads to George Gates. The DA and the investigators believed it was the mother and daughter. All this time, something happened. Something happened that took their eye off of them. And it is called snitch testimony. But why did, why did turn around? There are some things we still don't know yet in this case. Who is paying off who? We know that when he was missing, they didn't find his body till days later in the field where it appears that he was moved to 
after he was murdered. His bank account was completely cleared out by his wife. Well, he was just missing 24 hours. There's so many, why? Well, why would this? Why would that? Why would that? There is nothing that leads to George Gates except for a past relationship with a bad boy with a history of crimes and in and out of jail, in and out of prison, who, when, he contacted Pal around a bit. But George finally disengaged from this guy because he was too much. He was doing too much garbage. He, uh, it, it was like, he's not going to get involved with it. We have to part ways, buddy. But this guy, James Rogers, I believe it is, um, I'm sure that Justice Skates will correct me, uh, he had contacted George asking him to bail him out, and George said, this is where we part ways. Enough is enough. This is where we part ways. Well, as a career criminal, carries around a gun that threatens people at gunpoint, that has uh, admitted to egregious crimes, including many, 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 many armed robberies, he saw this as an opportunity to somehow get into the ears of the prosecutor. And he claimed, he claimed for immunity that he and his friend, quote unquote, George Skates, scouted out the place, scouted out the situation, and robbed and murdered, saying that George actually said that he killed the guy. The robbed, kidnapped, murdered Arthur Smith. Well, why the case didn't get closed on Marianne and Kathy, his, his wife and his stepdaughter, I don't know. There's a lot of information to go into in the case. There's, unfortunately, exculpatory evidence that has not been brought before the court. We'll get into that later, just in general, having to do with uh, also the Lucasville riot. There are so many egregious, heinous denials of due process. This guy got himself a sweetheart deal and put somebody who knew nothing about this, had nothing to do about this, into prison for what I believe was a life sentence. Whether it was life with parole or not, I don't have that in front of me right now. Well, people, as we segue into this segment about involvement, so to speak, in the riot, I just want to tell you how I'm feeling here. You might agree with some of it. You might not agree with some of it. But you let me know. 
you just let me know. Um, also, uh, Justice's daughter just said, Mr. Smith's children and uh, BC, I believe it was Marion and Kathy, yes. Okay, so he was, George was sentenced to 15 to life. Oftentimes, when you don't have a good uh, oversight committee, you know, uh, when you don't have uh, a good eyes on these matters, we know that that 15 to life means life. Reject, 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 as Emily Barnes and I were just talking about. Well, we're living in a time when people like you and I are becoming political prisoners from the very censorship that we know that is happening throughout our country. Censorship. Censorship. We know there are censorship left and right about COVID. We're going to be talking about that on Tuesday. We're going to uh, COVID censorship regarding, you know, a, a president, a passing president not being able to share truths much as people might get in all tizzies over his name and their feelings might be hurt, I don't care. Our rights are human and civil rights. The fact that we have an injustice system where it exists that not only wrongfully convicted individuals are kept from being able to prove their innocence railroaded into literally a death sentence. If you think that this can't happen to you, many of you get that, and that's why you're listening. Once you understand that this has happened to somebody you know or you really something really catches your eye and you get involved, you're going to learn that this is what is surrounding our injustice system, where it is unjust, not everywhere, but it is a heap full of corruption throughout our country, in some areas more than not, but from the bottom on up and we're having serious serious issues right now where it's kind of like disclosing publicly to the world how we're going to come how we're withdrawing from the war letting the Taliban know exactly what we're doing well, should we withdraw? Sure, we should withdraw. Okay, that's fine. Or that's an individual thing. Maybe we should have enough people. Whatever. But the thing is, you do not, you do not decide to withdraw at the time when the Taliban is most effective and your advisors have, have told you that the best time to do this is actually when the Taliban is not active. And that is, and I'm, you'll understand how this circles around, okay? You will find out that, you know, that the Taliban is at least active in the winter. You do not tell your enemies your plan. You do not weaken those allies that are there to stand by you. The way this is coming around to full circle is if you're, if you're out there and you're telling 
people, the justice system, how that they're unjust, that they're that they're you know, slapping you and change the system, which is a bold, courageous thing to do, and we must do. But if you try to beat them on their own terms, on their own playground, with state laws that have been, or even some federal laws that have been perverted, that no longer represent due process, then it is a fail, fail, this is when we must rely on our human, God-given, and our civil rights and our criminal rights through Constitution of the United States of America, which we have been afforded to have, which has become increasingly perverted throughout our country. And pretty soon, if we don't stop and if we don't do something about that, they'll change the Constitution on us. So we need to step up and stand up, and we need to fight using the constitutional rights of each individual as opposed to trying to beat them on citations alone because they will beat us every minute, every second of the day if they so plan. Found out the hard way many of us have. So we cannot count on a quick uh, an election coming up a year and a half from now to change things from getting better in our country. We need to get rid of the corrupt Republicans. We need to get rid of the corrupt Democrats. We need a clean slate. You do not wait. You do not wait. But we have right now where it exists, a system that blocks the path of freedom and prove innocence when there was, once again, no DNA, no witnesses, nothing but evidence leading to another person leading to another person. And even, I, I mean, this we are talking about a man who didn't belong in prison to begin with, who then was accused of murdering one person himself and calling a hit on another. That is absolutely the farthest thing from the truth. And once again, there's no evidence, there's no cameras, there's nobody saying that he actually that you know that there's nothing that leads to any physical evidence that he actually did that. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And it's testimony. It's dangerous, people. It is dangerous. And how can you use snitch, snitch testimony as the only finding? Can you do that? Whatever happened to be on the shadow of a doubt, the prongs to actually find somebody guilty of a crime, you know, a criminal crime, right? And the criminal code beyond a preponderance of a doubt, which is very different than the civil code where it's reasonably believed, okay? All right. So right now, Mr. Skate has federal prosecutors, forgive me, has federal public defenders. Now, those federal public defenders, because he has them, he is not allowed to hire attorneys 
on the other matter because he's already represented, okay? But what happens if he's really not represented? Hold on a second. I'm turning something on so I can get some information right in front of me here that I uh, put in. Uh, so what happens when attorney fails to do their job, whether they are federally appointed or whether they are privately hired? What happens? What happens when they're not doing their job? What happens when you want to fire them? Okay, so I'm going to read something right now. Uh, because I think it's important to read this. He did not have any part in planning, carrying out the riot, or physically harming anyone. He was told, this is his own statement, people. He was, I was told, I'll read it that way. I was told by the Ohio Patrol that if I did not cooperate with them and give them information, and give information, they would seek the death penalty against me. I had nothing to offer them, before they made good on their threat. I was convicted solely on a fabricated inmate snitch testimony, which was exchanged for immunity and shortened sentences. There is proof of my innocence, the inmates who committed the crimes. I was charged with inmates who committed the crimes, came forward for their own sweet little deal. Okay? All right? They accepted the responsibility, were sentenced by the court, and declared and he and he declared his innocence. So the inmates accepted responsibility, the ones who are responsible for these deaths, they accepted the responsibility. There you go. There you go. They accepted responsibility for the crime. All right? But the only, reason, the only way they would do that is if they could have reduced sentences, right? Does that sound like a system that's working well? <sighs> um, again, George declared his innocence. This case has currently been sitting in a habeas corporate corpus, forgive me, for about 10 years now with the federal public defender's office during the riot this is him speaking again during the riot i tried to make of a very horrible situation i was in my cell when the riot began he knew nothing about the riot people okay let me get back to reading his statement i was in my cell when the riot began by the time i came out things had already spiraled out of control i tried to be the peacemaker not because i had demands i wanted met but because I felt I could help end this matter. I felt I could help end this matter and prevent any further harm. Having already been incarcerated 10 years, I have mutual respect with guards. Let me move this down. This, again, is his statement. And inmates alike. My mindset was no man left behind. I did all I could do to protect the same. I put Officer Fraley out on the yard and called for the state to get him medical care. I personally protected two other officers. I'm innocent of both of these crimes. Yes, I have had my share of trouble, but by no means 
Am I a cold-blooded killer? I believe in humanity in any situation if I can help. I do. I will not run like a coward to save my own life when I can stay and save others. Everyone who has ever come in contact with me, I kind of got to go down this page, states they truly believe in my innocence in both cases. Plus, side note, plus, side note, there's no proof. There's nothing that can actually, rightfully, convict him of these um, in both cases. Almost 40 year late, years later, at 75 years old, I'm still wrongfully convicted on death row. So all the inmate snitch testimony, the state allowed, the state allowed the said killer, how do you like that? The guard that died, the Lucasville riot, was murdered by a particular inmate who became the state's star witness. But there are not, is, um, so it's my understanding that what the state wound up doing, so I believe it was how many people wound up dead. I saw it was one guard wound up dead, and I believe it was um, I believe it was nine other or eight others wound up dead. It was the longest standing takeover of a prison anywhere in our country at the very least. All right. Uh, so nine altogether died. Nine altogether. George was charged with killing one person and calling a hit on another. And yet he went out in front of all these armed, uh, you know, very well skilled, you know, forces out there, you know, to try to make peace. To try to make peace. To make sure no further blood was shed. There are officers that have acknowledged and stated that he did protect him, but they will not come forward now. So why do you think that is? Why do we think that this happens? Federal prosecutors, let's get back to them, the federal uh, offenders. So he's got an Ohio uh, public defender, uh, and so far, nobody has really made much moving on anything, okay? The last thing they did, as my understanding, was ask. Uh, one of the officers actually begged for George's life in court that I was not aware of. Thank you, Justice. Okay, so, um, so the public, the Federal Public Defender's Office has only – in the last couple of years, put in a motion, banned the file. Now, why is it that George, the victim of this wrongful conviction and the defendant, is not privy to his own file and what it is that they are trying to uh, turn this conviction around with? Are they? 
are they trying to turn this around? So it was in 2017 that they asked to expand the file. Four years ago, people. Four years ago. The habeas corporate, uh, the habeas was filed in 2010. Eleven years later, been no movement except for three years ago. Can we expand the file? Can we expand the file? So I looked up their office, Federal uh, Public Defender's Office, uh, online in Ohio. They are the Northern District, and then there is the Southern District. I was just curious what they put out there. Now, mind you, anything can be written, okay? Anything can be written. But what the but what they say the mission statement is there's actually a mission one on the Northern District, which is out of Cleveland, Ohio. But on the mission statement of the one that is in the Southern District, it says members of our organization provide our clients with legal services at the highest quality. We zealously and ethically represent human worth, dignity, and interest of our clients with courage, devotion, and uncompromised advocacy. So I hope that's true. I hope they really do do that. I cannot say for sure whether they do or not. I'm sure there are those in Ohio that can say whether they do or whether they don't. Okay, I'm sure that they can. I don't know. But I'm already feeling better, let me tell you. When I'm reading that mission statement, you know, many of us have felt better when we read just how successful attorneys have been, and then you go and you pay $400 an hour, and they screw you over, okay? Why? Because it just happens to be one of those cases that's already predetermined for a multitude of reasons. Well, About the, about the Southern District, they actually cite the 18, the, the U.S. Code 18 U.S.C. 306A, the rule of law. But, you know, to me still, as I said before, the rule of law is becoming more tainted every single day and every step of the way as many findings are not in concert with the Bill of Rights, Constitution of the United States, the American people. Again, the U.S. Code, though, seems to be in concert with our Constitution that does say adequate representation of defendants and zealously represent, zealously represent, zealously represent. Okay? You have a choice of a plan for representation, a choice. Where is the choice for this defendant? Where's the choice? Why is this defendant not receiving a good deal of mail or his mail is intercepted from that prison to do with his legal mail. Why is that? This is what it gets down to. The why, the why, the why. What would a logical person believe instead of trying to fit a square into a circle? We have to think logically of the outcome of why. Why, why, why? Why would, why would the prosecutors rely on snitch testimony when they had a fingerprint and they had nothing to prove any kind of guilt at all whatsoever of George 
George Gates, which put him into Lucasville to begin with. And then it is snitch testimony once again. The star witness who's the murderer, allegedly at least. Star, the star witness was the, the murderer of the officer. For less than sentenced. Already been sentenced for the murders George is charged with. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? And this is why. This is all about money and greed. It is about politics. Political prisoners. Take a look at the political prisoners right now in D.C. that haven't even been charged to do with the insurrection of our country. People might disagree with me for saying it that way. You can disagree. That's okay. We can agree to disagree. But let's leave this all behind because really what this is, again, about that that protects human, civil, and criminal rights of the people. Now, let me move on to something else. Thank you for your patience. We do, by the way, we have Connie Hugh coming on. Connie Hugh is a private investigator in this matter. She should be calling any time now. There's so much content. There are thousands of pages. Now, as I get into this case more and more, and you've got to take it slow, many boxes, the federal public defender finally was willing to let up the, uh, the record, not, not the current, you know, what's going in front for a status conference hearing in September, okay? There's a status conference hearing in September for George Gates. He didn't even know about it. His daughter found out by accident. Why doesn't George know about it? Why are they talking to him about this? Boxes and boxes of records in a way that is very disheveled, not in any kind of order. It's kind of like a, ha, ha, ha. You want it that bad? Here you go. Why? Again, why? The Sixth Amendment guarantees the rights. This is our Constitution, people. The Sixth Amendment guarantees the rights of criminal defendants, including the right to a public trial without unnecessarily to delay, the right to a lawyer, the right to an impartial jury. Oh, boy, I have something to say about that and the right to know who your accusers are and the nature of the charges and evidence against you. It has been most visibly tested in a series of cases involving terrorism, but more often figures in cases that involve, for example, jury selection or the protection of witnesses, including victims of sex crimes, as well as witnesses in need of protection from retaliation. Okay. Well, I think that there are people that are afraid of retaliation that are going along and they're afraid, instead of being whistleblowers, as they should be, going through the right process, you cannot watch a fellow human being be sent to death row when you know the case is tampered. How can anybody in good conscience do that? How? How can anybody in good conscience do that? Let's talk about an impartial jury. Let's talk about an impartial jury for a moment. 
We have yet to discover, and mind you, there's more material to look at. We've yet to discover in the transcripts where the jury has been fully, fully uh, educated as to, you know, what it is, you know, to find somebody uh, criminally guilty, murder in the first degree, manslaughter, whatever all these charges are, there's a lot. It's got them on death row people, okay? Jury is schooled on snitch testimony. Sure, the, the guy testified that he was getting a favor. The guy testified, but what it was, it was skillfully selected what he shared about his history, and it wasn't opened up, was not opened up to be able to share. Once you, once you open up the rabbit hole in court to allow you to that, that opportunity to, to question, they have to allow it. Sculpatory evidence was not allowed in court to prove his innocence. Pure snitch testimony. Pure snitch testimony with something to gain, and it is called freedom. The person who put him in prison, who has admitted to killing people, who has admitted to armed robbery, who has admitted to many things, you know, like career, career, career criminal, admitted to that, you know, Oh, good, if he's admitting this to the jury, then he's definitely going to tell the truth because nobody would, you know, talk so much about themselves in such a negative way and then lie about who really did it, who didn't do it, okay? So he's like, you know, mercy, have mercy on me. You know, the deal's already done. He's already a free man as long as he testifies and as long as he never redacts his testimony. But what does George George is in death row. There are many on death row that don't deserve to be there, and that's why I have changed my opinion on the death sentence. I struggle with it to begin with, but knowing the system and how inefficient it is, we need conviction integrity units everywhere. We need people. There are people, not those elected, not those appointed, to oversee what those reps that are elected and appointed to do, what they're doing, to oversee what they are doing. Because many of them, many, many, many of them are not doing what we hired them to do. They're not doing their jobs. So if we have civil oversight committees that don't get all cobwebby, the circulating thing, okay, the circulating thing, going on. If we have that, we're going to start solving some major problems. Major, major problems. I'm keeping an eye because I believe we're going to have Connie on with us. Uh-oh. All right. Hold on, Connie. 917. Uh, I think she's trying. 388. Uh, 4520. Press 1. I guess she's trying to... Okay. She's on. Good. Okay, she got on. 
So I believe there's so much more to share, but um, we're, Connie ha- is, uh, boy, I have a lot more paperwork in front of me. Uh, but Connie Hughes is an investigator on this case who has been kind enough to get involved uh, and uh, go above and beyond. And there have been investigators investigators um, on this case, and there's a lot of investigations that all, you know, that have led up to uh, George Gates' innocence. George Gates is an innocent man. She's on vacation, but she agreed to do 30 minutes, uh, Connie did, to come on for just 30 minutes tonight. So I'm grateful. I know that uh, all this, the uh, George Gates advocates are grateful. And uh, we're just so glad to have you on tonight. How are you, Connie? Are you with us? Hello? Let me see. Um, Hello? Hey, Marty, are you there? I got to get Marty to let her in. in. In the queue. All right. So you can hear me. That's fine. But did you hit number one, Connie, to get into queue? Okay. Yes, you did. All right. Did you hear anything that said that you're in? Let's see. I really am hoping to get her on. Let me reach out to Marty and see. Marty, can you hear us? Yes. Oh, okay. Hey, Marty, we've got Connie. She hit number one, so she's looking to come on. Okay, I uh, Let me see. The last I have three the, digits uh, hold on. The last three digits are or four digits are or I'll give you the last two digits. 7 9. Okay. You got okay. that? Yep. Thank here you, Marty. It comes. Okay. Hi, can you hear me now? Hey, yes. <laughs> okay. Again, Hi. thank you so thank you Marty. <laughs> Thank you so much for um, taking the time out of your vacation. I, I know, you know, family first, you've got to take that time to breathe, all, all that good stuff, but still you've made <laughs> yourself available. And yeah, no have you problem. heard it? Okay. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, and, what, uh, and you know, your involvement in, in this case so far with George Gates? George okay, yeah. Um I'm actually a private investigator, paralegal, and my business um, focuses on post-conviction investigations um, with a lot of wrongful convictions, um, people that are needing help with uh, getting back in court, finding new evidence, reviewing their documents, that, that sort of thing. Um, I am based out of Colorado, but I do have clients, you know, all over. Um, I have a pretty good team that uh, works with me. Um, And I got involved in in George's case. His daughter and one of the advocates, Angie, reached out. Um, Mm -hmm. Angie did a lot of the investigating on it and they were just I was just kind of giving her Tremendous. some guidance yep. and um, in what to look for what to obtain uh, and then they re, they asked if I could review 
you know, the Arthur Smith case, um, and it pretty much entailed reviewing all the documents that have, uh, you know, um, were already in their possession uh, with George's permission, um, other investigators, the things that they've done. Because a, a lot of people have either, you know, passed away, uh, are no longer working in the positions that they were in. And so, um, you know, I, I drew up an investigative summary that just kind of outlined some of the um, issues that I saw when I was reviewing a lot of the documents and a lot of the information that Angie and, and um, his family had given me, uh, even Arthur Smith's family, um, yeah, you know, as, right. as they even believe the in his innocence. Who, who died, even the man who was murdered, uh-huh. um, his children know that he's not guilty. Yes. Yes. So, um, and I just, yeah, that's kind of where I came into play and, and have volunteered as much time as I can, um, in helping them out, uh, and, and advocating and, um, guiding in, uh, whatever they need. Um, so yeah, (laughs) I don't know a whole lot about the Lucas the Lucasville case, um, okay. you know, other than what's already been out there publicly. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a very let, interesting. Let me ask you, something. <laughs> yeah. you, you have read, you have read uh, um, other, other investigators reports, correct? Correct. And other investigators on the, 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 the case where, you know, Arthur Smith was murdered. Yes. Okay, so um, is there any smoking gun that leads to uh, George Gates, as far as, as you're aware? Far, as far as the Arthur Smith case, there's a lot of them. I mean, the... So wait, that leads to George Gates' uh, guilt? No, innocence. Okay. Innocence. Right. There's okay. nothing. There's there's absolutely nothing that indicates George is guilty at all. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, one basically one person's testimony that uh, is very inconsistent. Very. Um, he received a lot of benefits for basically getting up on the stand and saying what they wanted him to say. And, and right. putting it on George, yeah. So yeah. it's it's pretty clear, you know. And even even in his his testimony that's on record, you know, he gets a lot of things wrong. And they were details he would have known if he had in fact been there doing what he said he was doing, and he got it wrong, you know. So it's it there's there's a lot of little things that point that direction, but they they did try to do a pretty good job of, of making it look like it was George, but there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. Right. There's, there's nothing. And did you, were you able to um, uh, draw any kind of conclusions or likelihood uh, of who it could have been other than who it definitely wasn't? You know, it, I have speculation. Um, honestly, I don't think uh, 
I don't think Jimmy Rogers, the one that, that put it on George and testified against him, I, I'm not even so sure that he was there. Um, I, I know. I don't think he was. I don't think, I don't he, think was, he was. Who am I? No, 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 no. He was just looking to get out. He found a way to insert yeah. himself, in my opinion, and contacted. Yeah. yeah. I want to find out what the yeah. relationship was with, you know, if he actually knew uh, the Smith family. You know, um, there's so much to still, still learn. This case, uh, listeners, has layers upon layers upon layers of different intricacies, they all do go away from the guilt of, of, of George Skates. But, but this is all going to be shared. There's an awful lot to share. But, yeah, so go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, you know, there's a, a couple theories as far as Arthur Smith's wife having an affair with one of the sheriff's deputies. Um, and that the, was, the sheriff's deputies were involved in this heist, allegedly, right? Because right. there was – okay, so why don't you explain what was going on in Rink's department store that Arthur Smith discovered? Why don't you, why don't you explain that to our listeners? Well, what was, what was – the information that was given to Arthur's um, kids uh, or family – from him was there was a lot of things going on, illegal activities with some pretty higher ups or people that were, you know, pretty prestigious in the town that would just blow people's minds as far as, you know, guns going out the store, drugs, money. I mean, a lot of different types of things that um, sounds like uh, he discovered. And he knew about, and he he didn't really tell anybody, but he wrote it all down um, in a book, and he made those comments to his kids, and that's I think what got them to going in the kids. direction. Yes, to Arthur's to his kids. biological kids. Um, yes, were his and step kids aware of these? Yes, his uh, stepson, I believe it's Michael. Um, his daughter, Sheila, and then her husband also. Um, and then there's a Kathy, right? Well, I don't believe Kathy was. Kathy was his wife's daughter. That was right. one of his stepchilds, and, and she was on the other side that. of things. If, if anything, right. she was involved in the whole um, right. plot or corruption that right. was going on. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, it's very possible Arthur found out they whoever was was doing what they were doing figured out that Arthur knew about it and figured out a way to get rid of him. And I mean, those are just a couple different things that come to mind based off of some of the you know some of the statements by witnesses and people that are we're talking about all the corruption going on with McGalvery and the and the you know the police department and then you know Arthur Smith's so own wife. The police department had already been you know dirty to begin with apparently. Yeah. Okay. Love it anyways. And there there were actually police that are alleged to be at, uh, to be uh, getting the guns because uh, Rinks sold guns, 
it's my understanding. And so they'd go in and they'd get the gun uh, after hours, it's my understanding, or somebody that worked there was uh, handing them over. And then the police would wind up with the guns. They'd sell them. This is this is this is a uh, an understanding or a theory, right? And I'm sure there's right. you know uh, that they would sell them, uh, and then they would keep track of who they were selling them to and stop, right? Would they stop the uh, the people? You can take it from here, okay? Well, you know, I'm not sure exactly, you know, how all that played out and what all who was all involved in that. Um, and Angie probably has more of that information than I do in the stuff that I was looking at. It never really um, indicated specific details as far as all okay. that, that goes. Does that make sense? And, and yeah. Angie, like I said, she probably uncovered a lot more and found a lot more information on that. And, um, right, right, right. But whatever it was, there was there was some kind of, you know, there was some illegal activity going on, some corruption within, some, you know, some, some government officials or state officials, whoever they want to put that on. And um, they did a really good job trying to cover all that up. Okay. 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 All right, right. So yeah, so there's various different. Okay, but but the thing is, there's nothing that leads to George's guilt, his involvement, anything like Mm-mm. that. And so it's yeah. niche testimony by somebody who claimed he was there, claimed he robbed him, claimed that he was part of uh, taking electrical wires um, in a construction area that was very that was right outside of the door from the back door, I guess, at at rinks, um, and tied him up, you know, bound him up. But the but the difference is that uh, that Rogers says that George Gates was was with him the whole time. Okay, so. And and again, you know, you tend to think, I tend to believe by everything else that I've so far learned in this case, that he actually wasn't there at all. He looked at this as an opportunity because he landed mm-hmm. himself in jail. He landed himself mm-hmm. in jail. Uh, he looked at this as an opportunity um, to to get out. He's a professional con man. He's a professional criminal. And he decided because his friend, this is my opinion, um, and certainly it, there's a lot more, uh, it makes a lot more sense as to the whys than the why not, right, that, that uh, he was upset with George because he wasn't bailing him out. So, you know, he, he, this guy's a professional con man, and he'll put himself there. He doesn't care. He'll put himself there as long as that means he can walk the streets free. And yeah. he will nail his friend for not being loyal to him. Well, you know, Everybody has a breaking point. George is a man of great dignity. He is a man that will not snitch on his fellow inmates. He is a man who will be there and, and, and protect the lives of corrections officers, mind his own business, and he is the peacekeeper. Yeah. He is the peacekeeper. And his imperfect life, which he admits it was not perfect, he is still not a cold-blooded killer. But this piece of I don't know how you can even call this person human is willing 
to throw somebody else's life away mm-hmm. so that he doesn't have to pay for his own crimes. All I know is people like that have to look themselves in the mirror. But this guy is so sick, he probably looks at himself and smiles every day. Yeah. Well, and then and then just the fact that, you know, um, the real killer <laughs> is still, you know, who knows where, free to do whatever they're doing. And same thing with the Lucasville, you know, deal. The, who, whoever really is responsible for what happened um, is probably out on the streets. And so the victim in that case really, you know, <laughs> hit his, his wife and family never really got any justice for what happened because chances are that guy's out. He's not in prison anymore. Right. Oh, yeah, we do say you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely we do the sentences. So um, yeah. So what did you read about the other investigators? Um and with the other investigators no excuse that the overall findings so far have been uh consistent to at least uh beyond a profound to be able to at least not uh, find George guilty because there's nothing there that actually leads to his guilt. What do you? Oh, find? absolutely. Some of, most of what so um, there wasn't really per se an investigator that worked on George's case for the Arthur Smith murder. Okay, so that's um, been, other that's than the, um... other than the prosecutor's uh, investigator. Now. When when Lucasville happened, they brought in investigators right after that happened to investigate the Lucasville. And at that time is when they also um, went back and started investigating um, the Arthur Smith case. Uh, and they were they talked to witnesses and people in the community, and a lot of the statements given by you know, the witnesses, a lot of the witnesses that weren't even spoke to um, during the initial investigation. Uh, And Mm -hmm. just what they had to say was very consistent um, with the corruption, with, uh, you know, the jailhouse snitch type stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them, you know, didn't believe that, that George was, was guilty. And and some mm-hmm. of those people, you know, aren't around anymore, but I think some of those people's statements <laughs> could have really made a difference in in um proving George's innocence, you know, when all of that was going on with Arthur Smith. Um so and, and let me very ask you could possibly Possibly, um, if they if they feel that the information <laughs> could be authenticated, um, it it would be the courts are tough and and they they want it a specific way they want it you know um, to be 
how do you, how do you want to say it? It, it, it has to be um, authenticated. I like the constitutional it's, way. That's what I like. I like the constitutional right. way. Um, <laughs> it, it's, you know, being they, most of them gave the statements to the investigator, but there was never any kind of legal affidavits written up or anything like that. Um, oh, really? The ones, yeah. the ones that admitted to doing it, but yet, and, and got a reduced sentence and are free, and yet now George is there on, de- on death row for murders that he right. had nothing to do with. There's nothing whatsoever, including a corrections officer that was there begging, uh, you know, at, at a trial, come to find out, according to his daughter, there was, there was begging for, um, you know, him to be found innocent. He, uh, you know, the guy pre- appreciated the fact that his life was saved by this, by, by George. So why are they trying to claim that he's actually a, a, a killer? Now, I'm going to read something to you, and I'm going to ask you what you feel it takes. This is regarding public, federal public defenders. I'm going to ask you what you feel it must take somebody to write something like this to their very own federal public defender. Um, this has this not reached them yet. It's my understanding. But to whom it may concern... I, George States, respectfully request the Ohio Federal Public Defender's Office, Joseph Wilhelm, and the State's team immediately withdraw from my case. I have not felt that you have been able to provide effective assistance of counsel, which is one of my constitutional rights. I have not been privy as to what is being done on behalf of myself and my case. I do not believe you have my best interests at heart. There is exculpatory evidence that will prove my innocence in both of my cases, which is being withheld from myself and anyone else working on my behalf. I have not been served or advised of any kind of gag or protective order from the court. Therefore, there is no reason for the lack of communication or effort regarding my case. This is just to mention a few reasons why I would like you off my case. You are preventing me from moving forward on my defense yet refusing to do anything. This is my life at stake, and I can no longer sit and watch it be taken at the expense of many others, at, at, excuse me, at the expense of others, and their disregard for life and liberty. I would request you forward all my legal materials to my daughter, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to give her information. Thank you for your time and respect in this manner. Now, wow. Here you've got federal public defenders. Here I am to save the day, right? But this is where he's at. What are your thoughts? Um, well, that's, uh, you know, it, that's also constitutional right to, for, for, you know, everyone to have effective assistance of counsel. And if they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, um, yeah, George has every right to ask them to withdraw. Um, attorneys 
can withdraw from from cases if they feel that <laughs> there's a conflict. And you can fight or, the attorney over it, but you usually don't want that attorney on anyway. <laughs> you know? Exactly, exactly. And you know, the there there's there's been protective orders as far as I can see put on um, releasing certain pieces of the discovery that is. Um, pertaining to the Lucasville riot, which it, it that does happen. If it happens to be informants or, you know, those type of things, those can be um, protected uh, by oh. the court for okay. safety reasons. But, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish that. But there I, is, I apologize. George should be served and aware of that information, and he should – you know, he should know that those are, um, there's a protective order on those. But that doesn't not make, when he's fighting his case, that that typically doesn't mean that he's not privy to the information. He's just not able to know, okay, who the informants are. Or, you know, he still has to be able to defend himself. And then there's no... There's no protective or gag order on anything to do with Arthur Smith's case, and there's nothing, right. anything new that is found or, or you know, comes forth now pertaining to the case. There's nothing that, that I can find that states that they can't give that information to George. You know. Now let me ask you this. Um, um, we've yeah. Got, so we, so we've got um, the ACLU apparently sued and won the right. Get, do you know about that case? Keep going. They, is it, is, and won, the, it won the right to discuss the uh, Lucasville riot matter uh-huh. after their uh, right. Is that correct? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. I, I think so I the, remember reading something about it, but I, I can't oh. tell you the details. <laughs> Sorry. So, okay. So now, you know, I have, you know, I'm going to be, you know, uh, privy to interviewing um, George uh, through, you know, as a media request. And um, I was told, you know, that, and I was told that there was a gag order on uh, the Lucasville, the Lucasville riot. Um, And so so none of the parties involved can actually talk about the Lucasville riot, all right? So um, I asked, as I think a prudent media person would, reporter would, right? Uh, I asked, can I have a copy of that gag order? And promptly I Uh did get an order, but the thing is, and I'm going to respect this, but if I find out different that it is not an, a true order, then some heads are going to be rolling. You know, uh, here I am all huffing and puffing and, you know, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. But I'm saying that this will not be okay. Because when I got a copy of that, when that was sent to me, I see nothing that date stamps that into the court's record. You know how... When you ask the judge for something, 
in many states, you write up an order so the judge can say, yeah, okay, fine, you have your way. And the other side writes up an order, no, you win, you have your way. And then sometimes you see certain things are scratched out and the judge, you know, initials it and they add in different things and caveats. So an order is rendered then and there on the spot, right? Right. Well, the thing, the thing is, I see an order. But I don't see it actually as an order on the record. I don't see anything that has legitimized that to be an order, part of the record, for the gag about discussing the Lucasville riots. So, um, signed by a judge? Right. That is, yes. It is. You saw it signed by a judge? Is that's what I was asking? Is it signed by a no, judge? No, there's, it's there's granted? nothing that shows that it is submitted to the court, uh, to the court as a final order. You know, when you get a copy of the record, everything has a stamp on it, right? Everything has a stamp on yeah. it. Yeah, time stamp. Well, and to my to my knowledge, any request, yeah, go ahead. Any request to have something sealed or a gag order put in place has to be granted by the judge. Correct. The judge has to grant that, and yeah, like you said, put it put it on record, um, and then whoever's involved with, you know, whoever would be. Um, ordered to abide by that gag order would have to be served that document. So that would be George or any other party, um, you know, related to the case would have to be served with that gag order by the court. Because mm-hmm. um, otherwise, how would they know? You know, so you can't I just... What I, my instincts are saying that this is not a true order, and they're passing it off as one. And if it's not, it needs to be, you know, then we need a, 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 I decided not to ask them for, after they promptly said, I said, thank you, blah, 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 and I will comply. It's true. When I talk with him, comply for now, and we will not talk about Lucasville. All right? But. If there is not a signed order that is timestamped that is in that court where that is an official gag order, then I'll be doggone. That's, that opens up because then you have people that work for the state that are censoring, that are lying, that are perjuring. If this is the case, disallowing this man to fight for his freedom. And I know that this was, a, you know, a huge riot, the largest one, the longest one, right? And, and, you know, and ever in our country, ever, where there was, you know, control of the prison by the inmates. I, I know that. I get that. They had to, to set a strict standard. Uh George actually was a guy that helped prevent more bloodshed. But now this man is potentially 
being told something that isn't true. And to yeah, me, that sure. is a huge and smoking gun. That's a huge smoking gun. Yeah, and just to, I'm, I'm going to have to go here shortly, but I just wanted yeah. to follow up with what you were saying, Tanya, is um, how it just doesn't make sense to me how um, they can put a gag order on, say, George or or this or that, but there's an entire Netflix documentary that has them all in, um, you know, in the flesh, <laughs> right. and it Good has everybody point. talking That's about beautiful. everything for the yep. entire world to see. So, yep. you know, um, yeah, it, it, so to me, I mean, this would have That's had to been something that was done. fairly, yeah, fairly recent. And I just recently, well, maybe, I don't know, three weeks ago, a month ago, looked at the docket um, with the court. You know, I was specifically looking for a gag order, a protective order, this and that. And Wasn't there, I was haven't it? seen, I didn't see anything as far as a gag order. All I saw was the protective order quite a while ago as far as certain things in the discovery not being able to be released. Um, as far as the names of those who got immunity. Exactly. And that's, okay. I mean, that's pretty typical with, with, yes, absolutely. you know, public records anyway. Yes. But yep, absolutely. We have and, a smoking gun, don't we? I, I believe so. I mean, it would definitely be worth following up with the courts for sure because, I mean, if, mm-hmm. if they don't have any record of a gag order being issued, I'm not sure what legal grounds um, that <laughs> that whatever you have has. And I it may be wrong. I don't question, know. Once again, why? That's the thing we must ask ourselves all along. Why? Isn't that? Why, why, why? Right. Well, and who who did this come from, and who's who's portraying that? You know, well, I've got a copy. And, of and it. then they sent me a copy of it. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I do have a copy. Of it. It's not, it's not yeah. stamped. It's not you, you know time stamped, and it, it it does not appear to be an accurate record of the docket. It is an actual, pretty tremendous. And I mean, I would have to, yeah, I would have, you probably know more about what, what those, (laughs) you know, the laws are around gag orders, but I'm pretty sure that it has to be something that's, you know, um, when it comes to a, a case like this, I would think it would have to go through the judge and the judge would be the one to determine whether or not to issue one or not. We all have our strengths, you know, that's why it's great that, you you know what I mean? Yes, ma'am. You know, and I, but, you know, and, and uh, again, I believe in our, our, our constitutional laws, which trumps any uh, laws, state laws or otherwise, that, you know, pervert right. the constitutional rights of a, of a person. Um, uh, you know, but it's important also to, to know what it is that they claim that they're going by to be able to do just that. This exactly. is a case that has many, many uh, layers. Uh, to it, as you know better than me, and uh, diligent process to free this man, because I don't like the fact that he is going for a status 
a, 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 a case status hearing in September. He didn't even know about it. And this has to do with him being on death row. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Is that scary? Yep. scary? Yeah. What are they doing? That's scary. And I know you have to go, um, but... Uh, because there's so Hello? You there? Yeah, you just kind of went away for a little bit. Oh, I apologize. So I hope we That's can have okay. you uh, for, for next Sunday night if you're available, if you're back from your vacation. And I know that you're a busy woman, but, um, you know, once again, to our audience, to our listeners, this is, go ahead, want to share who you are again and how she can, how you I lost you again, Tanya. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Yeah, just keep oh. I can barely hear you, and then you come in really clear, and then I barely hear you, and you come in clear. Okay. I apologize. All right. So can, That's you, once okay. again let our, can you once again let our listeners know who you are? I, I'm hoping that you'll come back next Sunday night if you're done with your vacation. You know, just jump right back into this again. Uh, but if you want to, once again, real quickly, let our listeners know who you are, and um, and, and uh, how they can find you if they have any, you know, personal need um, to hire you. Um, and then we look forward to, I, see you're, I hear you're busy, and then I'll close out the show. Okay. Thanks, Tanya. Um, my name is Connie. Uh, HSH Investigations is who we are, and... Um, let's see, you can get a hold of me at 970-580-0779. If I don't answer, leave a message and yeah, I'll do what I can. Well, uh, thank you very much. And I hope that for the rest of um, of your your vacation that you're able to just focus on family first. Uh, I appreciate you coming on once again. Um, Looking looking forward to... uh, hearing back from you okay thanks Tanya all right thank you thank you Uh bye-bye bye-bye now oh my goodness so uh to our listeners this is again still the the peeling back uh, of the layers of George Gates and uh and uh and this horrific setup uh, against him, the trifecta, the trifecta trifecta uh, 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 type of a uh, uh, perfect storm. You know, you've got, you know, somebody who is uh, solely twice now convicted of murder based on snitch testimony. There's zero DNA. There's zero evidence who it appears that right now uh, there really might not be a gag order on him. So it begs the question why um, people are being told that there is. Um, and, 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 you know, there's evidence to point elsewhere. Uh, the Lucasville riot, a huge, huge riot. Everybody in the world knew about the Lucasville riot or it was learned, uh, it was, it was learned worldwide. Um, 
and 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 so you know it's just like one exculpatory evidence denied you know one thing that george asked is how can the federal public defenders sleep at night how can they sleep at night knowing they have all of this evidence to clear him again it begs the question why George Skate is the poster man, a 75-year-old man, 75-year-old man who has been behind bars for almost four decades now for not having anything to do with anyone's murder. Nothing. Why? Is he behind bars? It's my understanding, based on all that did die that day at the Lucasville riot, were murdered that day, that they split up the guilt among the most ten influential people in in prison. Okay, at that Lucasville prison, um, George Skate being one that he was well revered, not only by the inmates for being who he is, of person of dignity, but by the corrections officers as well. Were they making an example of this? People, we are political prisoners in our own country. I want to welcome you and ask you to please show back up Sunday evening as we continue this matter. Uh, and I invite you to Tuesday evening uh, to uh, tune in. Uh, half an hour later, though, it'll be whatever your time is you tuned in tonight, it'll be half an hour later where we're talking politics and COVID and all that, those dirty, dirty, dirty words, heated, heated, heavy deal. Uh, again, the following Sunday, George Gates. And then the following Tuesday, we're going to have one-on-one with Marty Oakley, and we're going to talk about guardianship abuse. I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I'd like to thank our guests for coming on. Uh, I'm your host of Tanya Talking, where your voice is heard and your story is told. I'm Marty Oakley, PS Radio, and Stephen Burks, 89.9 KLRB-FM, Lighthouse Christian Radio. Good night, and God bless.